This WBEZ podcast is supported by Hacia, whose Executive Fellows Program provides Black and Latinx business owners with real-world tools and strategies needed to master fundamental management concepts related to company stability and growth. Registrants learn through one-on-one executive coaching sessions with subject matter experts in the areas of finance, business development, operations, and legal. More info at HACIAWorks.org. Do you need a break from the news? Well, my friend, Nerdette Podcast is here for you. Our show is all about delight. We laugh about what's happening in pop culture and feature thoughtful interviews with fascinating people. We even have a monthly book club that you can participate in. I could just go on and on about it. I loved this book. It was an experience, I'll tell you that. <laughs> I discovered authors I had never heard of, and I'm really happy that I did. Come hang out with us. Listen to Nerdette wherever you get your podcasts. It's Curious City, where we take your questions about Chicago and the region and investigate, report, explore from WBEZ. I'm Jake Smith. There are more than 69,000 acres of hardy forests, windswept prairies, and swampy wetlands scattered across Chicagoland, all part of the Cook County Forest Preserves. Cook County was actually the first in the state to establish a forest preserve district. In the summer, some of these preserves get 20,000 visitors a month, including Arnulfo Delgado. He rides his bike through the preserves of Cook and nearby DuPage County a couple times a week. When you're in touch with nature, you become aware of how life is so complex and at the same time very simple. The thing Arnulfo finds so amazing about these preserves is the foresight it must have taken to establish them. But whose foresight was it? Arnolfo had no idea. So he asked Curious City... How how were the forest preserves created? The story behind the Cook County Forest Preserves involves an architect named Dwight Perkins and his ambitious vision to preserve Chicago's natural landscapes. Perkins' 15-year battle to create the preserves wasn't just about whether nature should be preserved. Most people agreed with that. It was about what kind of nature should be protected. Just forests or prairies and marshes, too? And should that land be left untouched or shaped by humans? Around the turn of the century, when our story begins, Dwight Perkins was living in Chicago. As a teenager, he'd worked in the stockyards, shuttling home each night to his working-class neighborhood. But young Dwight would escape his grimy city life by heading to the marshes south of the city. That's where he first learned to see beauty not just in forests, but in bogs, in prairies, the kinds of landscapes most people at that time considered useless. His daughter later wrote that these outings convinced Perkins that, quote, human beings do not remain fully human if they are entirely cut off from the natural beauty of the world. As historian Julia Backrack explains, Perkins fit right in with a group of progressive Chicagoans with lofty ideas about how to improve the city. They felt that urban children needed access to these natural lands at the outskirts of the city. So the vision for the forest preserves was with this pressing idea that the city keeps becoming more industrialized and that these tenement people need to have access to nature. In 1903, Perkins agreed to help the city's Special Parks Commission explore how to help city dwellers experience more nature. He teamed up with a famous landscape architect named Jens Jensen, and the two of them laid out a groundbreaking new vision. They said the county should create an outer belt of parks around the city. They even mapped out which land to acquire. There are Oak Savannah and old 
forest, and, but it also includes marshland and prairies. To find out what happened next, question asker Arnolfo and I went to Deer Grove Forest Preserve near Palatine. I had never seen these little plants, these uh, purplish plants. There we met Natalie Bumfina, an anthropologist who studied the history of the Cook County Preserves. There are all these cool birds. Yeah. Venus says the president of the Cook County Board of Commissioners, Henry Foreman, embraced Perkins' vision. He quickly put together a bill to establish this outer belt of parks, which he called forest preserves. And he kind of did it unilaterally. But Dwight Perkins didn't like the legislation. There Why not? The legislation highlighted boulevards. What, kind, what When you say boulevards, what does that mean exactly? Like big roads. Big roads with manicured landscapes were a far cry from the serene, untouched preserves that the commission had in mind. There were other problems, too. So this was Perkins' first test. Should he let his vision be watered down or fight it, even though that could delay the creation of the preserve? Perkins chose to fight and wrote a petition to the governor. Dwight Perkins totally sabotaged this initial bill. So That's gutsy. It is gutsy. And I guess it shows you a kind of unwillingness to to compromise one's vision too fully. After that, politicians in Springfield began work on a new bill. And Perkins and Jensen wanted to make sure it was just what they wanted. So they took legislators out on tours of these natural places to sell them on their vision for the preserves. They had this idea of protecting forests, certainly, but also prairies and um, the Skokie Marsh. The legislators wrote a new bill, but the court threw it out for complicated reasons involving politics. But there was a comment from that court's opinion that would spark decades of conflict over what kinds of nature deserved to be saved. The sticking point? Forests versus prairies. The part of the bill that said what these preserves would include was really broad. And the judge said that means that you could protect a prairie but your district is called a forest preserve, and you need to clean that up. In other words, not all nature was seen equally. Most people considered forests lush and romantic, but prairies, they seemed dry and dull. So when Perkins went back to work on the bill, he finally had to compromise. This time, he and a lawyer specified that the district could only acquire land containing forests, even though they knew this might make it harder to get other kinds of land like marshes or prairies. I think they did it because at this point they were desperate to push the legislation through. Prices were going up, and they just thought, we got to do this before it becomes an impossibility. This time, Perkins succeeded. In 1916, after 15 years of work, the forest preserves were finally a reality. But did Perkins' vision ultimately suffer from this compromise? In its first few decades, the Forest Preserve District did favor forests over other landscapes, just as Perkins and Jensen had feared. District workers mowed over prairie grass and planted thousands of trees. By the 70s, prairies and savannas were disappearing from Cook County. That's when a group of volunteers started restoring these ecosystems, cutting down trees, burning brush, and replanting native grasses. Now, some people still weren't happy to see their local forests turned into prairies. In 1996, some neighborhood groups got the county to put a moratorium on all restoration. And in the end, the volunteers out-organized them and eventually, piece by piece, got the moratorium lifted. 
and they're still working in the preserves. It's safe to say the public and the Forest Preserve District no longer see forests as the only landscape worth preserving. Today, 100 years after the preserves were founded, you can tromp through the prairies and marshes and savannas, just as Perkins and his friends would have wanted. For Arnulfo, our question asker, that's a good thing. He works as a pediatrician in Little Village and says that kids growing up in the city today need to experience the beauty of the forest preserves more than ever. I think that would relieve a lot of tension in in the, um, the blighted areas that are suffering from a lot of violence. Reporting came from me, Jake J. Smith. Support comes from the Conant Family Foundation. Next time on Curious City, we sit down with Muslim leaders to figure out, do Arab and African-American Muslims attend the same mosques? On the south side of Chicago, do you get a diverse crowd at the mosque? Diverse as in four or five people being the diversity. But the current political climate is changing things. The community is not where it's supposed to be at, but I think people are waking up to what we need to be to move on. That's next time on WBEZ's Curious City. Before we start the show, we here at Curious City want to let you in on a little-known fact about WBEZ. 89% of all our funding comes from community support, including contributions from curious listeners like you. If this program has changed how you see Chicago, please consider supporting this program at wbez.org curious. Thank you. At a time when information continues to come at us faster and faster, sometimes you need to hit pause. And rewind. NPR's Throughline takes you back in time to the source of the news stories filling your feed. Find NPR's Throughline wherever you get your podcasts.